Welcome to 98 Not Out, the new cricket show here on Phoenix FM 98 on your FM dial via smart speaker and via the website www.phoenixfm.com. We're a brand new show. It's me, Darren Mutu. And it's me, Brett Sanders. And tonight we've got our guest presenter, Mr. Nazumi Azar, who's here to just uh, listen in and see what the show's all about. So what is the show all about? Well, we want to keep it lively, we want to keep it fresh, it's a light-hearted look at cricket in general, but the focus, the main focus will be cricket, club cricket, in and around the Brentwood and Billericay areas, um, we'll be taking a look at results, fixtures, tables that affect you guys out there, also a look at Essex, how they're doing, and we're happy to talk about international cricket, um, and this week we're going to be trying to work out what the hundred's all about, so plenty to get our teeth into, get involved Take part via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We're all 98 not out on all of them. How good's that? I mean, you've not got to look at different things. It's absolutely fantastic. And also, Darren, don't forget our most important feature every week because, oh, yes. you know, without this, cricket is not possible. We are going to be focusing on cricket tees. We want weekly pictures of the best cricket tee of the week. We're going to name someone. And over the course of the next few weeks, we are going to go into what makes the perfect cricket tee. What, what's it for you, Darren? Oh, lots of it. Just lots of it. And, of course, some orange squash. Naz, have you got a favourite thing when tea's being served? Are you, you, you up there for something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A bit of a scone and some strawberry jam, you know. Fantastic. Oh, hang on. Are, are you cream first yes. or are you jam first? There's a big, big issue here. If you're not, you know, which way, which way are you doing? Are you putting the jam on, then the cream, or the cream, then the jam, or you just take it whatever? I it's just right. take it whatever it is. It tastes the same. <laughs> That's definitely the right way of doing it. <laughs> Me, I'm a cheese and pickle sandwich man. I've got to be honest. Yeah. I do cheese and pickle sandwiches. They're always a bit of a winner. Plain cheese, no, no, definitely no good. So. Throughout the time, throughout the week, when you're playing this weekend, get a picture, send it in to us, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at 98NotOut. So, Darren, what's on tonight's show? On tonight's show, we are going to be looking at um, how the local teams did this weekend. Um, we're looking at results, we're looking at the league tables, we'll also be looking at the fixtures coming up for next week. We've got a special guest interview tonight with um, Anthony McGrath and... Also, a special guest, which we've recorded this afternoon, Brett. We've, uh, we've met up with Pakistan's batting coach, Mr Grant Flower. That's right. So, already we're making a strong opening. We are facing uh, the fast-pitch stuff head-on. Uh, in the second half of the show, um, we're going to have that interview with Grant Flower. Um, and um, we'll also be looking at... Uh, the initial photos that we have had sent in on Tease of the Week and also announcing Colts Corner, which we'll be looking to push as we progress through Colts of the future of the game. We want to know if the youngsters in your club have been outperforming this week. So this weekend's fixtures just gone in the Shepherd Neen Essex Premier League. Wasn't a great weekend for the home teams, was it there, Darren? No, Billericay? no. Billericay, your team, they hosted Hadley and Thundersley. That's right. Looked like it was a good low-scoring thriller, though. Ross Poulton top-scoring for Billericay with 44, as they were bowled out for just 148. Three wickets each there for Sam Hanley and Adam Dobson. And then for Hadley, Ashley Bennett and Max Holmes both top-scored with 24. 99 for 7, though. Billericay must have felt they were in with the shout with that one. 
But a stand of 39 between Mizim Zaidi and Richard Ravel turned the game Hadley's way, and despite Andy Smith's three for 18 off of eight overs, great figures, Southend on sea winning by two wickets in the end. Yeah, frustrating. Uh, and uh, yes, of course, uh, Billericay take four points from that. All points welcome. Uh, and 20 points go to the victors. Um, next up, we look at Buckhurst Hill. They hosted Wanstead and Snaresbrook. Um, the visitors won the toss and put Buckhurst Hill into bat. Uh, only Daniel Parkinson and Syhad Jaspal reached double figures, though, uh, with 44 and 32, respectively. Zain Shazad claimed four, and a very impressive 4 for 12 off 8.2 overs as Buckhurst Hill were bowled out for 122. Uh, in reply, Zane also top scored for Wanstead's strong performance. Uh, he got 27, which helped them win just off just 25.4 overs. So points there, Wanstead 20 points, and Buckhurst Hill took two points. Also on Saturday, Chelmsford hosted Chinkford, and the visitors won the toss in that one. They batted in what was another tight game at Chelmer Park. Chinkford started really well, losing their first wicket for 67. They were 151 for three. I mean, top scorer Alfie Taylor departed for 66. Chinkford lost their last six wickets for just 39 runs, with Oliver Devonish taking four for 33. They finished on 190. Chelmsford, they lost regular wickets in reply, and when top scorer Ben Clifford went for 83, Chinkford must have smelt some victory there, the score 136 for six. But 16 from Brad Green, an unbeaten knocks of 22 from Matt Dixon, and 11 from Mark Drainsaw. Chelmsford home, a good win for them. That's right, that's right, very good. So points there, Chelmsford 20 points, and uh, Chingford 5 points. Uh, next up, Hornchurch against table toppers Brentwood. Now last year this game um, was quite star-spangled. Um, Hornchurch fielded Monty Panasar, and Brentwood had Adam Zampa, who's currently featuring for Australia in the World Cup. Um, but uh, this year's fixture always anticipated um, and not short of action. Uh, the visitors won the toss and elected to field, probably due to the form of Nick Winter. Um, we're going to talk more about him later on. Um, but Nick led the way with figures of 7 for 33. Um, I think, well, we'll talk about that later, but he's having an absolutely amazing season. Um, and taking seven wickets one innings is not proving to be too much of a struggle for uh, Mr Winter. Extras were, were Hornchurch's top scorer with 16, as they were skilled out for 59. In reply, Brentwood struggled to 18 for four before Jack Hebron steadied the ship and sailed it home with 39 not out to help Brentwood win by five wickets. Points there, 20 points for Brentwood and two points for Hornchurch. That's six wins, I think, now for Brentwood out of six. Yep. They really are flying. Uh, finally, in the Premier League, Bellas visited Ilford at Valentine's Park. Bellas won the toss and batted first, and they put up a very impressive 292 for four, which, if you consider all the other scores and what was going on, was really, really good. 53 there from Ryan Wells and Joe Joyce unbeaten on 93. In response, Ilford could only muster 155 all out, losing by 137 runs. A bit of a tank in that one. And then uh, looking down into uh, the first division, obviously we're still looking at uh, where our local clubs are in action. So uh, we're not just going to concentrate on the Shepherd Neem uh, Premier League. So in Division 1, um, Fives and Heronians, um, they were playing uh, Colchester and East Essex. Um, Fives put Colchester in, they scored 205 for 8. Jack Hobbs was the mainstay of the Colchester Denise, uh with 113 not out. But Fives snuck home 
with a final wicket stand of 21 to win it by one wicket with just one ball to spare. So a tight game there. Sounds like an absolute cracker, yeah. doesn't it? One ball yeah. to spare, one wicket. <laughs> Everyone's nerves must have been jangling at that one. Gideon Park and Romford, they hosted Loughton as well, where the uh, hosts put the visitors uh, in, and Loughton were all out for 197. Uh, Ewan Risby top scoring for Loughton with 59. Gideon Park, they were cruising it. 196 for five. Then three wickets for one run. They finally uh, won it by two wickets, so a good win for them. Harold Woods, um, their first 11 were at home to Upminster. So uh, a bit of a local derby, this one. Um, first up, they scored 254 for eight and 50 overs with Harry Jenkins scoring a decent 75 of 62 balls. In return, Hafiz Afsal also made 75, but it was a very impressive 5 for 55 from Lewis Pickering that helped win the game for Upminster. Um, Hutton, another good local side. They saw Woodford Wells visiting them. <coughs> Hutton put the visitors in. They, seven of the top eight reached double figures with opener Vivian Paver scoring 56 in their total of 241 for nine. And despite 62 from Wells skipper Mitchell Todd, three wickets each from Stephen Hayward, and Connor Whetstone helped Hutton to a 24-run victory. Quite decent, that, over Woodford Wells. Yeah, very good, very good. Finally, in Division 1, Shenfield, um, very local to us where we're sitting here, were inserted by the visitor Southend-on-Sea. Uh, the home side scored 208 for 9 from their 50 overs with Jack Kleber um, sc- top-scoring with 51. Um, a good old round bowling performance saw Southend bowled out for 148. Uh, that meant a 60-run win for Shenfield. Don't forget Monty Panasar, um, who I mentioned earlier, was playing at Hornchurch last year. This year, he's an action at Shenfield. Um, so we're going to have Monty watch as maybe one of our uh, regular things. We've been looking at how Shenfield are doing. Um, so Monty, in this performance, took two for ten off eight overs. This week's fixtures in the Premier League. All Premier League games are 12.30 starts. Um, no Essex cricket this Saturday. So if you uh, fancy along, watching a bit of local cricket, why not? Uh, Bellas, they're hosting Hornchurch. Uh, Brentwood are at home to Billericay. Winter is coming for <laughs> Billericay. Uh, Chinkford are playing host to Ilford. Hadley and Thundersley taking on Buckhurst Hill. And Wanstead and Snaresbrook, they are at home to Chelmsford. And Division 1, again, 12.30 starts here. Colchester and East Essex are at home to Shenfield. Loughton host Harold Wood. Southend-on-Sea are against Gideon Park and Romford. Upminster at home to Hutton uh, and Woodford Wells. They take on Fives and Heronians in a local derby down there in uh, West Essex. So our player of the week, we've mentioned his name a few times, Nick Winter. He's had an incredible start for the season for Brentwood. Uh, Nick 7-33 has now seen him take 40 league wickets at just 4.53 in just six games. It's quite incredible. We've put a link up on our Facebook page, and uh, if you haven't yet seen it, it's worth taking a look. He's over from South Africa. He's playing for the Redbacks over there. Um, I've got his full bowling stats for the year in front of me. South Africa or Australia? South Africa. He's Redbacks. He might be Australian, actually. He's Australian, yeah. yeah. Apologies there. There you go. Shows how much I know. Um, (laughs) 81.5 overs, 23 maidens, 40 wickets. 181 runs conceded. Best Amazing. bowling of 8 for 29. Five five-wicket hauls. 
an economy rate of 2.21, a strike rate of 12.28, and an average of 4.53. He's taken 66.67% of Brentwood's wickets. I mean, <laughs> it's just a phenomenal performance at any level, uh, and at club level, it's just ridiculous. Can you say he's South African? I think he's, no, he's Australian. He's Australian, but I think he's come over from... Um, uh, did he, was he a Sheffield Shield winner? We need to dig deeper on this. We'll get Nick. Nick, you need to come in and uh, enlighten us on. Uh, I mean, uh, to put it in perspective, second place bowler is Aaron Nidger, who obviously Essex, uh, Essex player. He's at Wanstead. Uh, he's taken twenty-four wickets. Um, you know, and he's just dwarfing sixteen wickets more. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal performance from him. It, it is, and I think. Uh, Redwood will be doing very well to retain him for next year. But um, in the meantime, keep it going, Nick. We're enjoying it. Just looking quickly at the tables then, uh, after six games in the Premier League. So, funny enough, Brentwood lead with 130 points. Uh, second are Wanstead. Um, not too far off on 111. Third place are Chelmsford. Ilford, the bottom of the league with Chingford occupying the other relegation spot. In Division 1, Shenfield are top. Uh, looking very good for promotion with 125 points. Uh, Colchester in second place with 101 points. Harrowwood a third with 97. Uh, Fires and is fourth with 96. Gideon Park and Romford fifth with 79. And Hutton sixth with 76 points. The top two from Division 1 go up. So at the moment um, it's Shenfield and Colchester um, occupying those places. Uh, Southend and Upminster occupy two relegation spots. Darren, I'm sure everyone's had more than enough of us. Let's get some music. A bit of the cult and she sells sanctuary.
strong bit of music there from the cult that gets us going, doesn't it? Um, right, now on to the next part of the show, which uh, I'm going to hand over to Brett. Um, but we're very, very pleased to have our first ever guest on 98 Not Out. Brett, over to you, and you can introduce who we're talking to. So I'm really pleased to say we've got Essex head coach with us, Anthony McGrath. Uh, Mags, what a great win this week. It was, yeah, uh, another crazy day's play at Chelmsford. It's uh, tended to be like that the last couple of years, but um, that man Simon Harmer again uh, certainly came to the party and um, you know, so many wickets fell on that, that second day, uh, but obviously great to, to get another win and it pushes us um, up that table closer to Somerset. Well, you mentioned Simon Harmer there, obviously bowling exceptionally well. Um, is, is he getting into other teams thinking now? They don't, obviously don't want to bat last against him and they're all kind of fearing what he's going to do to them. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you, in any sport you get um, people who are very confident and I think at the moment, uh, you know, Simon's in a rich vein of form and he, he certainly has been, you know, since he's been at Essex. But I think teams now are, are, are certainly wary of him. I think, you know, it's not just a flash in the pan. He's been so consistent. So, um Certainly, when teams come to Chelmsford, um, you know they try and counteract that by either attacking him or they try and, you know, maybe defend him for try to defend him for periods. But at the moment, he's just managed to keep coming up with the answers whatever the teams have tried to do against him. But it's not just him, though, is it? I mean, he's obviously brilliant, supported by all the other bowlers. Are also keeping the pressure on, which making it difficult at both ends. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've got a really good balanced attack. Um, Unfortunately, we had a, an in, a little injury to Peter Siddle this week, but whoever's come in and bowled um, in the seam department, as you've rightly said, the, the really pleasing thing is, you know, we've not allowed teams to score quickly against us. The run rate's been two, at two and a half and over. So if you do that, you can control games. Um, you know, and all the seamers have, uh, have been really good. Um, and, you know, they've steadily picked up some wickets as well. Um, the headlines, as you said, but it's been a real... You know, um, attack, uh, group effort really from the bowlers. It's obviously a big game against Somerset this coming up this weekend. How are things on the injury front? Obviously, with Peter Sizzle and Sam Cook seem to pull up. Yeah, uh, Sam's uh, got a side issue, so um, we'll find out probably tomorrow how how long that's going to be uh, going to be affecting and how long he's going to be out. Uh, there's better news on Peter. Um, he's going to be bowling in the next day or two, so we're hoping that we'll we'll have him. It was really more precaution. It it just felt the top of his groin a little bit, so I'm sure he's going to be okay. Um, and everyone else will be okay, barring uh, Sam Cook. Excellent. It was obviously it was a slowish start to the season, and then struggled a bit in the One Day Cup. Suddenly, three wins in four. What what's helped change things around at the club? Um, I think just. You know, keep really working hard. I, I didn't think we'd um, we didn't play our best cricket. I know in the in the one day stuff, but I think as coaches, uh, we look at you know the guys' uh, attitude and application to training, and that's been really good since we went out to um, Abu Dhabi. So we were always confident we'd we'd get it right. At, at, you know, at some point, I know we lost the first game to Hampshire, but I think in the championship since then we've been really consistent and played some good cricket. Um, I think if you just look at teams throughout the country, it's really difficult to to be dominant in all three competitions. I know some are having a good go at it this year, but um, you know, we know there's certain things we can 
improve on. But uh, in, in terms of your original question, it, it wasn't. It was just a matter of time, in my opinion, for us to click and get going. And well, you know, we've been aside in the last few years. When we've got a couple of wins, we've gone on a run. So hopefully, we can continue that now through the championship, but also once we get into T20 as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've. we've we've done exceptionally well I think in the last four years I think one more games than any other side so it does show um, T20 wise looking forward to it yeah very much so I think we all know as as a group that we've got to be better you know the last couple of years hasn't been good enough um, I think it's a um, you know tournament that the members and supporters like to come down to Chelmsford so we're, we're hoping you know we can put on a lot better show I think the team we've got um you know, the new additions coming in, Cameron Delport, we've got Mohamed Amir back, obviously, Adam Zampa as well. Um, so, yeah, look, we, we, we believe we've got, got the team on paper. We've just got to get get the results going, really, and I think momentum is a is a key thing. If you, if you get on a roll, winning or losing, it's difficult to, to stop. So the main thing is to start really well, and hopefully then we can keep improving throughout the tournament. Um, I know obviously you can't talk about specific contracts, but there was a story came out from uh, Kent's head coach, Matt Walker, last week that they've made a 28-day letter approach to uh, read Tom Wesley. What does that actually mean for the club? Yeah, so when um, a cricket player goes into his last year of contact, um, uh, another club county can put in the 20 years uh, on any player. So what that means is they, they send a letter in and after the 28 days elapses, um, that club is then um, able to open negotiations with a, the player they've put the letter in for. So, um, you know, it's nothing new or unusual. Uh, Kent have just excised, exercised that. Um, and it's up to, obviously, the, the club and Tom to try and sort that out uh, and get a contract signed, you know, to keep him at Essex. Is it unusual that it's sort of announced by another coach it's not something we hear a lot of in cricket <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I, I mean I, I've not seen the the um, the story but it is quite unusual I mean th- there is a lot of you know letters going into clubs because as you can appreciate there are um, plenty of cricketers out of contract but I've, I've certainly not seen that before where a club has come out and showed its hand so it is a that side of it is a little bit uh, unusual Fair enough. Um, obviously, we like to focus on club cricket here on the show too. Um, do you get to see much, if any, at all in the Essex area? No, I don't really. I've seen the odd one in my time, but obviously weekends we are normally either playing or training. Um, so I follow the scores. I know the, the guys uh, you know, who are in the first team are all um, you know, associated with clubs. And you know, it's just really important. I mean, we, you, know, you want cricket played in the region, in the area. Um, and if you look at the team we've got at the moment, you know, a lot of the local lads who've come through have started club cricket in and around Essex. So, um, you know, it's it's really healthy and it's something, you know, we we want to continue at the best standard possible. So, you know, we try and encourage the lads to, to play uh, at their own club as much as they can. Excellent. Do you remember your first club game? Um, oh, it's a long time ago now, I know that. Um <laughs> I think I was about seven when I played uh, for the under-12s up in Yorkshire somewhere. Started you early uh, then. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I had two brothers who both played, so I think I got roped in probably a little bit young, but we probably had a, 
a player missing or whatever, so uh, they stuck one of the you know youngest ones in. So I think yeah, I was seven. I think when I played my first club game. And a big feature of our um, show is cricket tees. Um, we know Lords are famous for their tees, but where else do you really enjoy visiting? As the tees are really good. Oof, the Oval's very good. Um, Chelmsford's actually very good. Um, yeah, at the moment I'd say that, but. After Lords, I, yeah, I'd probably go the Oval. Fair enough. And we're putting together a list for what is the best cricket tee ever. What would be the one thing that you think every cricket tee should have? Oh, what a question. <laughs> um, uh, glad you've got me there. <laughs> I think I would say the the best tea we've had recently has been boneless chicken thighs with um, with some pit of breads and salad. They've gone down really well. That's uh, that's uh, that's probably one I'd, I'd say recently. Yeah, that's stuck in my mind. Excellent, um, Max. Thanks for joining us. Good luck again at the weekend. No problem. Pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. So, Darren, there he was, Essex yeah. head coach, Anthony McGrath. I think it's a good time to talk to him, isn't it? I think if we'd have been talking a month or six weeks ago, it might have been a different conversation, but um, definitely on beating what's a strong Hampshire side, they're second in the, in the table, to beat them in two days is, uh, is, is, is very good. It was, and it was, you know, just I, I think from the bits I've seen of it, I know there was a, a little bit of contentious around some of the umpiring in the game. Um, one or two of the players, you know, didn't seem too happy with yeah. the decisions and you actually saw one of the two decisions again you thought well, I think it was 15 LBWs in the game which is definitely both sides though, isn't it? definitely I mean, unusual yeah um, but you know it, it was to, to go out there and win inside two days oh, fantastic. The, the harm effect has got to be playing on people's minds now I have heard unconfirmed reports that um, there was a small celebration afterwards um, which was going on even after the lights were switched off and uh, most people have gone home. The, the the dressing room was still bouncing, apparently. Unconfirmed. Well, they're having title to entitled to Absolutely. enjoy it when it goes well. A um, couple of other players, though. I mean, I'll be looking over their shoulders. Um, Nick Brown, first off, he's struggling a bit this year. Yeah, I've been... I've had, odd. I've had a concern about this for a while, um, and I've been looking through various sort of social media and internet chat rooms. The, the top order seems to me to be underperforming, and, and the, the controversial subject and please um, listeners join in and tell me what you think of this but there seems to be a factor of when England um, pluck our players and take them off to boot camps or Lions tours or training or even getting involved with the England first team they come back changed and whether their actions their techniques are re-coached or rebranded but they don't seem to come back the same kind of player um, and you could look through our batting top order as, as reasonable evidence of that. And I think what I'd like to see, and I think most fans in general would like to see more regular 50s and 100s, um, obviously Alistair Cook aside, but um, I think you're right, Brett, those players that you mentioned, you know, Nick Brown, Tom Wesley, Dan Lawrence, um, we seem to be a bit too regularly getting uh, losing early wickets. And then someone like Ravi... Or, or Tendo, or even Peter Siddle, um, are coming in and uh, and chipping in with with more solid scores. So, um, but listen, maybe that you know we've all played cricket. We all know what it's like. Um, a good run, a bit of buoyancy and spirit in, in inside the team. 
um, can turn those things around. T20's coming up, and as Mag said, you know, if you go on a run, then that feeds through, and then you've got player. I mean, it's quite a strong setup for this T20. You know, Mohamed Amir, who's bowling fantastically in the World Cup at the moment, Adam Zampa, similarly, uh, and Cameron Delport. These are strong T20 players, and if you have them in your side, you can't help but be lifted, surely. And yeah, I mean, you also talk. Look at the Essex players who, who are available and stuff like that. And you've also got to talk. I mean. Matt Coles, who was signed, who looked like he was signed to play a lot of one-day cricket for Essex, his second year, he's gone off to Northants on loan to get a bit of cricket in. He could be a how factor. Long's he, well. How long's he at Northants? Is it just a I, month? I or think something? he's got a four-game loan. He's going to be back right. in time for the T20s. You know, I think we lacked up front. We didn't get the runs up front last season. I think the guys will, will know that. And they're not scoring enough runs. It doesn't matter how well you bowl. It's always going to be difficult defending totals, especially at Chelmsford. It's a small ground. You know. 180 to 200 is minimum every time there and quite often in excess of 200 is needed so yeah yeah it, it, it should be good I mean you know beat Somerset on Sunday 30 points behind them at the moment played the same amount of games I mean they're on fire Somerset yeah. you've got to yeah. got to admire what they're doing at the moment on and off the field I think you know they've been impressive uh, I mean you look at the ground that they've got um you know hosting World Cup games um and, you know, the county side are performing fantastically. So um, they're clearly doing things right down there. And, and, and it's nice to see them getting rewarded for it. I think as a model, Essex do look at Somerset as well. And, yeah. you know, Essex, I think, face up to the fact we're obviously not going to be one of the, the big eight sides uh, no, we're at not test be match a, grounds. Yeah. But if, if we can certainly have the best facilities outside of that, that would be really, really good at Chelmsford. Well, I think, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute, but it wasn't that long ago that Chelmsford was, was hosting... Uh, World Cup games and on a reasonably regular basis so yes I think rather than trying to model ourselves on a Surrey or a Middlesex um, Somerset is really um, where we should be going after and I think you know John Farragher was talking recently about this and I think he's right I think you know uh, and it's obviously it's not going to happen overnight there's got to be careful investment but that's definitely the direction where we should be headed okay definitely time for a bit more music Let's get a bit of two-tone going. Madness and the night boat to Cairo.
Welcome back. Bit of madness there. Um, right, moving on now. Um, great interview with Mags there. It was uh, really enjoyable. Um, so, with Essex discussed, uh, and remember, please get involved. Please tell us your thoughts. Do you have got any views on the current state of affairs with Essex and where we are? Uh, maybe looking forward to the T20 season. But, uh, of course, the World Cup is featuring uh, at the moment... Um, and uh, we'd be a bit silly not to talk about it here on uh, 98 Not Out. So let's just have a little look. Kevin Peterson, uh, never out of the news, has tweeted today that he's expressing a bit of disappointment with this tournament. He thinks that um, we need a major upset. We need some, we need some more last ball finishes um, to liven the thing up. Do you disagree with Kevin? Do you agree with him? Um, personally, I think that kind of stuff is going to... well. Upsets aside, and listen, there's a lot of games to go still, but I think certainly once the games start to get more relevant and people are fighting for semi-final places, we might see tighter finishes. Um, but let's see. The top four, which was widely flagged before the tournament, being England, Australia, India and New Zealand. Um, it kind of looks like it's heading that way. Uh, well, I mean, you know, there, there's a reason why they're the four best sides in the world. They're probably the four fittest sides in the world. They're the four most balanced sides at the moment. Out of all the sides that are out there, they seem to know where they're going with their cricket. Um, and, they, they, you know, they're all playing really well. There were some question marks around the Aussies, what's going to happen with um, Mr Smith and Mr Warner when they returned. But, you know, they're, they're two top cricketers. They've done what they've done. Move on from it. Um Australia always turn up at these yeah, things as well, don't they? They're, they're quietly efficient, the Aussies, at the moment. They're going out there. They're not doing anything spectacular. They're just putting in solid performance after solid performance. England, England, you know, we know the way England are going to play. They go out there. They're going to try and score as many runs as possible. Yep, they got caught v Pakistan. They didn't play well. Pakistan was superb on the day. Great win for Pakistan. And it, probably a bit of a warning to England on complacency. Yeah. New Zealand, you know, they've not... Just before you go, I think England, it was important uh, against Afghanistan to make a statement. I mean, everyone's talking about the Owen Morgan innings, which was absolutely incredible. But I'm really glad they did that. I think that's kind of uh, got them back in the right direction. The Pakistan game was a wake-up call, um, not to get complacent, I think. I think going back to KP's tweet as well, in, in that he talks about, you know, the sides or they're getting a bit hammered etc actually these sides are getting their chances during games they're just not taking them yeah. if you look at yesterday I mean Morgan it's a simple catch the guy's got to catch that yeah. he's just nowhere near it and then suddenly the destruction afterwards I'm not saying that they would have kept England down too much but you know there's chances like that you, you, we talked I talked uh, or I talking a bit with Grant Flower about getting into good positions to win games for Pakistan and them not going on um, and other sides, and, and that's the importance, is if you're going to get in good positions, the good sides then, or the great sides, are then going on to win those games. Well, in pre-tournament, there was lots of uh, speculation about um, one of these big hitting sides getting to 500. Um, clearly, the weather's been a big factor here. But I think in terms of what we're seeing uh, on the field, I mean, catching and fielding has been as big a factor uh, as anyone batting or bowling. I mean, obviously, the Stokes catch... Uh, the Cottrell amazing bit of juggling and that catch as well um, but a factor with Afghanistan you say about these smaller sides um, not taking their chances fielding has been the issue I think it's uh, in certain cases you know regulation catches have been dropped 
Um, I think all sides are dropping them, though. I think, you know, if you watch England yesterday, they, yeah. Johnny Bairst, they put down a couple of chances. I think all sides are missing chances, whether it's to do with the... The, the, the not so blue skies that we're getting at the moment. I know. They're very, the rain the, the very window here. white, cloudy skies. Obviously, the highballs are, are hard to spot. But you know, you, you've got to look at a side like Bangladesh who have come into it. They've prepared well, and you know, I think they're fifth in the table at the moment. A bit of a surprise. Well, is, to that, people. is that but is that the upset that's coming because they've got to play Australia? Could Bangladesh spring one there? Well, I mean, you know, I think they play Australia, they play India, they play Pakistan and Afghanistan. Maybe they'll only win one game, but if they can win two, stroke three of them, you, a lot of the big boys are still to play each other. England's running is, you know, they're yeah. playing, um, they're, they're playing um, Australia, India, and New Zealand. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. no given that England will win three of those. So there could still be a surprise or two. It's just I think with the wickets, the weather. It's maybe not been as uh, a, a, as much of an excitement as people think. So, what sides do you think? Um, well, I'll, I'll chuck a few in. Uh, would, would feel disappointed with how it's gone so far. I mean, I think West Indies—they were my personal outside bet to try and do something um, after what we saw when England toured there uh, a few months ago, and, and knowing how good that side are with with white ball cricket, Pakistan. Um, after a shocking start against the West Indies, seemed to be clawing it back. But uh, uh, and, and also South Africa. Um, South Africa have just been appalling. Yeah, they, they really. I mean, you know, obviously sides will go back and look at themselves and w- what's going on. And South Africa, it's a, it's a back to the drawing board moment for South Africa. They have their quota systems. They have their reasons why they do their things, but. They've just got to look at where their cricket is. They are struggling massively. They've got to reevaluate what they're yeah. doing as a side and how they're going to go forward with it. Because if they don't, you're not going to move forward at all. That's right. Now, I suppose at this point we need to bring in our good friend Nazumi. And it, did we mention it's his birthday today? <laughs> I believe he's just, just the 40 years 40 old. 40 not out. Youngest, youngest man in the room. He is the youngest man here. 58 to go. 58 to go, exactly right. And we've <laughs> actually bought him a cake, which, uh, <laughs> blow the candles out. We're not going to sing happy That's birthday. very kind of you, Darren. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. So, Baz, growing up in Sri Lanka, yeah. what do you think of Sri Lanka's performance? I mean, past winners, would they have had expectations of progressing in this tournament? Well, um, if they have... Um, if the weather has helped them and with a couple of wins, uh, they look like they will they were cruising in at a, on an earlier stage, you know, with a few um, one pointers and couple of winner wins, you know, um, considering the weather's been uh, playing up uh, really badly this they, this they year. Suffer from losing uh, so many good players all at once. Um, I mean, look, if you look at England in. 2015 World Cup, um, you know, from where England has come uh, from 2015 to now, and they've sort of had the same, same, same set of uh, players, and I think they've groomed, groomed really well. And you know, Owen Morgan for the last year or two has always said, you know, this is the team which is going to go go through, and um, and I think look look where they are now. From if you look at 2015, and I and I think that's a good, that's a perfect example for. 
Sri Lanka and you know what's what's gone is gone and and the past is past and you know uh, they have a great bunch of players I mean I'm glad that they've got a a, 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 a good captain now in Dimut Karnaratna I mean I don't know if you watched the Australian game he really held the game uh, very well and he just ran out of partners um, it's just a matter of time Angelo the people like Angelo Matthews Kusal Mendes to to come back into form it's it's a bit too late for this year's world cup yeah. but i but i'm sure that they'll they'll come uh, uh, great and good in, a, oh, in, in four years time and there's a, there's a lot of young talent still um, and they've got a great uh, uh, a good uh, performance uh, uh, set up and i think um, um, uh, we we've had a couple of english coaches in there who was also uh, was also involved. Um, so let's, let's let's go around the table. And so, Mass, who do you think is going to win the, the World Cup? <sighs> I I I mean, earlier on, I thought uh, West Indies has got an yeah. outside chance getting into the final, and you know you can't never underestimate Pakistan the way they played in the Champions Trophy as well um, in a couple of years ago. But I think this year's final is I my money is on uh, England versus India. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Go on, who's going to win? Um, win? Oof, difficult question. Um, um, Come on, Brett, I will. I, I'll <laughs> go with you first. I, I, I think it's to be honest. It's I hate to say it's who's going to beat Australia. They just look very, very efficient. It's a, a terrible word to use about a cricket team, but they do just look very, very efficient. Again, I, I really want to see England win it. Obviously. You just fear for England that they're going to have that one blowout performance. Something's not going to go right. They play a great aggressive brand of cricket. They go out there. They are trying to dominate sides with bat and ball. I'm just wondering if you know whether that can go wrong. Where if you watch the Australians, they just go out. They're not trying to be too dominant. They just go out to make sure they win the game. And I, and I think. Uh David Warner and Stephen Smith coming back played a major, major role in uh, Australia's um, mm. uh, uh, results in the in this World Cup, particularly in the last couple of games. So, Darren, I think I think um, there are going to be two classic semi-finals. I think England will beat New Zealand, and I think the other semi-final will be Australia New Zealand with Australia winning an absolute screamer. So, the final at Lords will be. England versus Australia, which sets us up fantastically for the Ashes. And I think England will put one on the Aussies, uh, and then we'll be looking forward to a fantastic Ashes series after that. But anyway, let's go back to our guest interviews, and um, Brett, the Michael Parkinson of uh, 98 Not Out, who have you got for us this time? I've managed to catch up. He's he's actually quite a decent friend of mine through a sponsorship deal many years ago. I've managed to catch up with Pakistan's batting coach, and it's Grant Flower. So I'm really pleased to say I'm joined by the Pakistan batting coach, Grant Flower. Grant, how are you? Welcome to 98 Not Out here on Phoenix FM. Cheers, Brett. Uh, It's nice to be here. Thanks for the invite, and uh, yeah, it's good to see you too. So in the middle of the World Cup, you've had a, a tough start fixture-wise. Obviously, it didn't go so great against the West Indies. Uh, rained off game there, a Sri Lanka game that you'd obviously hope to have won. And then it's obviously some tough games there, Australia and India, uh, who are obviously two of the better sides. Um, how easy or hard is it to keep the players going now? Uh, yeah, look, it, it has been tough. 
Uh, we had a shocker against West Indies. The guys were nervous and um, didn't play anywhere near. It was a tough pitch and it suited the West Indies, but our skills weren't good enough. Came back well against Eng England. Brilliant match, nothing to lose, and the guys performed brilliantly. And then the other guy, the other games, yeah, we've had our moments. Now we've stayed in it for a bit, but our consistency hasn't been good enough. And um, yeah, it's been shown up. Probably some of our lack of fitness, but you know, you got to stay positive, and, and it's quite hard. You know, it's it's quite a long tournament, and to keep the guys' heads up, it, it is tough. But if you're not motivated by the World Cup, then you shouldn't be here. So uh, there are no excuses. Is that sometimes just the difference between the top sides and the ones a little bit low? Is that consistency? They can perform when it really matters each time? Yeah, definitely. And there are a lot of factors in it. Um, you can see the, the main sides, the big three, India, Oz and... Um, England. England, obviously. <laughs> yeah, they're well prepared. They're well drilled. They've got great domestic systems. And uh, their, their fitness levels are supreme. Obviously, everyone's talked about playing everyone else, and it's now the first World Cup where you suddenly play nine games. Does it mean the tournament is going on for a bit too long? I don't think so, because it's a World Cup, and you know everyone was saying before it started what a great tournament this would be, and and uh, regarding how it's set out, obviously the associate nations wouldn't be agreeing with that, um, and I think it's quite tough on them. Uh, but you know, I'm not the one organising it. Uh, but uh, obviously, yeah, and the, some of the games haven't been that close. Quite a few of our games, but uh, you're never going to please everyone. How difficult is it for you as a coach to manage Pakistan's expectations? Because everybody seems to want to have a say. Um, yeah, well, I'm used to that. Uh, look, we are inconsistent performers, and uh, there, there are numerous reasons for that. Uh, but at the same time, it's exciting, and when we get it right, it's great to get the victory uh, but uh, we've got to up our game uh, with four games to go we've got to win them all um, how much has the game changed over the last 20 years I mean you when you were playing your strike rate 67.58 was probably considered quite good nowadays guys all looking at 90 plus 100 plus it, it's becoming a different game yeah it is totally um, yeah I wasn't even aware of what my strike rate used to be but that, that's that's actually a bit higher than I thought it would be, to be honest. Um, but, you know, the guys practice a lot more these days. Uh, they're more coaches. It's more structured. Um, there's a lot more cricket being played at, you know, high-pressure levels. And, um, you know, there, there's more at stake. I think the pitches are better, the bats are, are bigger. The guys are physically stronger. So all those reasons add up. Um, but, but it's great for the spectators. Is it a case sometimes as a batting coach, you watch a player play a shot and you think, well, why are they even trying to play that shot, let alone then actually playing it? And is it suddenly, oh, we've got to practice, we've got to look, can we do this? Is there ways of playing this shot? Can we bring it to the game? Well, that's the thing. There's so much cricket um, and there's time to experiment. And, and there's so many more coaches. Uh, they, they delve deeper into the game. And, and that's why you're seeing much better skills uh, and it's great so when you see these trick shots and that these guys practice for hours and end and they, they play in high pressure tournaments so uh, there's plenty of scope to experiment has it maybe gone too far though because you when you played you were a great manipulator of the ball and the field and you, you did move the field around get the singles before you sort of went on the strike nowadays it looks like 
players just go out there, it's sixes and fours straight away. We're not even looking at trying to get ones or twos. Well, the, the good players still get their singles in the ones and twos. Owen Morgan usually starts like that, but then yesterday he just went crazy. Uh, but it just shows what he can do and what others can do. But um, I think it's great for the spectators. They're seeing lots of runs, and obviously people say you need to even it out with the ball. And um, so, but you know, I, I think it's great entertainment, and it's yeah, you know, it's good to see. One of the focuses of our show here on 98 Night Out is club cricket. Do you remember your first club game back home? Yes, I did. I was really nervous, and uh, in fact, the bat was shaking my hand. Uh, I was playing at a very young age, but yeah, I remember it very. Was you playing with your brother as well? Did that help? Yeah, I was playing with him. Yeah, it, it definitely helped. Uh, he's my nerves. We played together a lot. Um, but, um, yeah, it's always a memorable experience playing your first club game. And you've you played quite a bit of club cricket over in England as well over the years. I did. Yeah, I played in six or seven leagues. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I tried to l- learn a new shot, one or two new shots every time I came over. and. Uh, it was a great experience and helped me uh, regarding playing for Zimbabwe. How different is club cricket in England to to Zimbabwe? Is there much club cricket there? Uh, there used to be. Very good club cricket in Zimbabwe. Uh, high standard. And um, and that was the only thing we had before we got test status, to be honest. But here in England, obviously, the conditions are totally different. you got the pressures of being a professional. But it bore, bore me and my brother in really good stead for international cricket played quite a few test matches 600s what was your favorite uh, my double hundred against Pakistan in, w- in which we won by an innings at Harari Sports Club so that's definitely number one also played I think 221 day internationals you got yeah. a favorite moment from playing there um, yeah beating England 3-0 in the home series the same series in which we were murdered by David Lloyd great series with Edo Brandis wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the chicken farmer. Yeah, yeah he was awesome. Um, and also beating South Africa at Chelmsford in the World Cup. 99, wasn't it? It was. Great moments. was indeed. You've got a, a bit of an unusual record, haven't you, as well, in one-day internationals. You're the only player to carry his bat for a team that's won a one-day international. Yeah. I tell you, there was a Trent Bridge against yeah, England. Yeah, against England. Yeah. Yeah, a great game. And... Um, yeah, I do remember that knock quite fondly, and uh, yeah, I do, I'm surprised I'm the only one, but okay, that's a nice thing oh. to have. Where was your favourite ground to play at? Harare uh, Sports Club in Zimbabwe, really enjoyed that, good good batting conditions, good wicket. So one of the big features of, of our show is going to be cricket tees, and we're going to have a tea of the week. Obviously everyone knows Lords is famous for their tees, where else, is, uh, where else does a good tea that you've enjoyed? Um... Jeez. I'm not sure to be honest. Um, I usually prefer having a beer after the match. <laughs> That's a big one for me. Um, but yeah, tea, yeah, Lords is the obvious one. Um, but there, there's so many good places, and cricketers are spoiled to be honest. So uh, we're v- very lucky as a cricketer and a coach to experience so many things. So our final question: We're looking for what makes the best cricket tea. So if you had to put one thing on the menu on a cricket tea, what would it be? Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to give you a boring answer. Um, look, I'm quite into my health and fitness, so hopefully a bit of protein there and, and a good co- coffee. Keep the guys going.
yeah excellent grant thank you very much still a chance you can go through in the world cup so good luck and uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament thanks brett nice nice to be here so big thanks there to grant flower taking time out of his busy schedule to catch up with us uh, we're going to get a bit more music now ed sheeran i think he wrote this after he saw me shape of you <laughs> So the bar is where I go mm-hmm. Me and my friends at the table Doing shots, tripping fast And then we talk slow mm-hmm. And you come over and start up a conversation With just me And trust me, I'll give it a chance Now I'll take my hand Stop it, and the man on the jukebox And then we start to dance And now I'm singing like Girl, you know I want your love Your love was handmade for somebody like me well, Come on now, follow my lead I may be crazy, don't mind me Say, boy, let's not I'm in love. 
shape of you. So, big thanks there to Ed Sheeran and the shape of you. So, time for my favourite section of this show tonight. The hundred. <laughs> and what do we know? So let's get kicking off. Well, we seem to know a lot and we seem to know nothing at all. We know it starts next July. We know there's a squad draft on the 20th of October this year. We know the England players will be named, but they're unlikely to feature much. We know that there's a massive £1.3 billion coming into cricket over five years, with each county getting £1.3 million per year. We know there's eight teams, and what names they've got, Darren? At Old Trafford, we've got Manchester Originals. The Leeds Superchargers, based at Headingley. Birmingham Phoenix, I think we need to have a word there, don't we? Can't use it with copyright. Uh, they're going to be based at Edgbaston. Uh, the Trent Rockets, based at uh, Trent Bridge. Welsh Fire, based at Sophia Gardens in Cardiff. Not sure we're going to be allowed to use the sponsor's name yet, are we there? <sighs> I know. Um, then we've got London Spirit, based at Lords. Um, the Oval, who have got quite an interesting history with regards to this competition and the ECB. They haven't named the team as yet, but... We do know there is going to be a team base there. Um, then for those down in the south of the country at uh, the Aegeus Bowl, Southampton, you're going to be watching Southern Brave. Um, now each squad is 15 with a maximum of three overseas players and at least two players who performed well in the 2019 Blast. Now. That looks a bit vague to me. I mean, how well, do you measure that? I've got no idea. Are they going to go on averages? Are they going to go, oh, he's had a decent game? Yeah, he can get a gig. I mean, it, it's so very like vague. saying you were good at rugby, so we'll pick you for the England football team. I mean, it is rather vague. I mean, 10 10 ball overs with bowlers being able to bowl five balls or a 10 ball over. Um, and now the one good thing and yeah. I, I've got to put my hands up it's okay I know it's going to be on Sky but there are going to be some games on BBC so it's about time we've got some free to air cricket uh, yes but let's hope they don't do what they've done with this World Cup and the free to air stuff is on at midnight or one in the morning uh, well, which it currently is on Channel 4 they, they, they should be showing live games um, I'm going to have a rant I don't often have a rant for people that know me. I never rant more than at least 14 Can times a day. Can I join you? But, okay, so here I go. The good stuff, the money. I, I mean, to. if it's used wisely, it should eradicate all counties' debts. The amount of money is phenomenal. There is no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. For the ECB to go out and get $1.3 guaranteed over the five years, fantastic, well Do done. Do we know where that money's come from? It is, from what I understand, it is coming in from TV rights from around the world. It's coming in from perceived sponsorship. It's coming in from what they see as gate revenues, etc., etc. Now, I understand there's costs involved, all the players' money and stuff like that is going to be coming out of it. But in theory, it's a lot, a lot of money and should do really, really well. As we've already mentioned, some games are going to be on the BBC live, free to air. Excellent. And the other good yeah. thing is the players, they, they are going to earn or should earn some decent money out of it. You know, county cricketers, for they don't earn fortunes. Oh. You, you know, the guys at the top end do okay. But the younger guys who are coming through, no, they could probably get desk jobs that pay far more money. Obviously, not as much fun. But, but, yeah. 
But oh, that's only three buts. I mean, there about a thousand. What, what's going to be the cost of the game going forward? I, I, I don't quite get why we need another concept. Do you? No. I mean, I thought um, when they were talking about you know franchise cricket in this country, we've already got it. We invented 2020, as it was called back then. Um, and as we've seen definitely over the last few seasons that T20 is really good and really popular and it's a real shot in the arm to clubs such as Essex that don't uh, benefit from, from test, uh, test match um, revenues. The, the T20 basically props everything else up. Now, it surely to me would have made more sense to invest in that to make it um, you know, to take it to the next level, to get it really on a par with the IPL or the Big Bash. Um, why are we going in a completely? Why are we inventing a new game? Why There's a couple this? of things I don't get to this. T20s were played before professional clubs played T20s. Most clubs played T20s in the evening. They were very popular. I kind of get the ECB have got to find something different. They are forming eight new teams. If they called it a T20 competition, most of the fans will turn around and say, well, why can't we have our T20 teams? I get they need to do something different. I just don't quite get this idea of changing it so greatly. I, I, I mean, I know it's difficult. I know they've got to find a concept. But this, I can't find anybody that's saying anything decent about it. The ECP are saying they've aimed it at new audience, women and children especially, it's this is interesting, you know, this new audience concept. So, you know, that everywhere you look and you hear cricket fans talking about this, it's generally negative. There's no enthusiasm, there's only criticism. But the ECB say, we're not aiming this at existing cricket fans, we want a new audience. Like you say, women and children. But, I mean, where is this coming? Do you hear I, other people saying, don't, oh, I don't get why, you know, I don't quite understand where this new audience is coming from. If they're cricket fans, they're coming to cricket already. I mean, why wouldn't they be coming to cricket already? Yeah. We, we, they talk about, oh, they're basing it in city centres. Well, there's grounds there already. They're playing there already. W what's going to be the major difference? I mean, a franchise. I, explain to... I, I don't get franchise sport in the UK. Now, I mean, Naz, you might have more experience of this, but... You know, franchise sport, I guess, works in South Africa, it's worked in India, it's worked in Australia, because people aren't necessarily following sides so much, are they? Absolutely, because, you know, um, IPL is, is a, it's a, it's a, was the first, first to implement in terms of franchise cricket. That was a huge success, and look, it is still the, uh, the best franchise league Globally, and, um, and I huge think, audiences. and and uh, huge audiences, and um, I think Indian Indian players play a huge huge part in that. Um, um, I'm not sure if the uh, hundreds going to attract any Indian players because oh, they, if they if they're allowed to. Well, at the moment, the BCCI have said no, haven't they? Yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> that's where it's going to uh, uh, impact uh, because you know if you, if it's going to be an additional tournament, and where's the time? Yeah. And where's the win? I mean, this it's you know you. I mean, if you look at the summer, you have the CPL, yeah. and you have the English Natural T20. It's everywhere, isn't it? It's everywhere, and then you got the Canada T20 as well now. Yeah. You know, and then in September you got the Euro T20 coming up. So it's Bangladesh T20. It's a T10s as well. It's now, a T10s, T10s, yeah. and I, and I think it's just um, it's just going to be too much. 
uh, if I'm to be perfectly honest, um, but unless they replace that uh, with the T20 uh, tournament. For me, I don't get the whole fra- the whole concept of franchise sport in the UK. I mean, I've tried to work out if there's any decent franchise teams or any teams that do really well at it. You can look at the MK Dons, I suppose, from Wimbledon in football yeah. moving up. Um, you know, a, a couple of the rugby league sides, maybe, but th- there's no history of it in the UK. I think the last time football tried it, they tried a London team in the 1970s, and absolutely nobody went uh, to it at all. Well, people, you know, with sport, they want to, you know, they want to wear their colours. They want to, uh, you know, attach their loyalties. I, I, I think I think England's, and if you look at football, you know, you know, it, having a name as Manchester Originals. If you don't know which side of Manchester is going to yeah. support them, for example, yeah. you know that's that's going to be a huge, huge thing. You know, in East Anglia, you know, Essex. And, I mean, and, what are we supposed to do? And I, I, and I think Essex and Sussex are going uh, are the most affected out of it. Um, mm. And I believe that there should be a team uh, combining Essex and Sussex. I don't. I mean, again, why would people support it? I, I think you know we've seen reports from the ECB they've done surveys and stuff I'm not sure who they've surveyed you, right. you've got to look online you could look in many of the cricket <coughs> forum chats nobody look at the main commentators of it nobody seems to think this is a and just imagine idea. the team team uh, selections you know whether which play which county players they're going to play you know you know there's going to be a lot of a lot all of there's going to be a lot I mean, of questions theory, asked around it they've now been know? talking about certain sides are going to be affiliated to certain clubs so I believe Essex are likely to be affili- affiliated with London Spirit but what does that mean does mm-hmm. that mean that the Essex players who put themselves forward or who get selected to go into the draft can they only play for London Spirit or can yeah. they go and play again it's so Badly, no one's explained what's actually going to. I don't think the ECB still know what they're doing, and that's it's what's a, scary. What about pricing of this thing? Do we know what uh, it's going to no, cost? To go and watch no, it? I mean, it's a bit like the um, Brexit situation, isn't it? Oh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Do they price it the same prices or what T twenties are priced at? I mean, you look at a side like. Um, you look at a side like Surrey, who do price their T20s reasonable. I mean, I think adult prices are start at 15, 20 quid. They do kids tickets for a pound. Brilliant. I, I, I get it. There's a bit. These are big grounds to fill. We are talking about filling big grounds. You look at a side like Essex, they can sell out 4,500 people at 25, 30 quid a ticket for virtually every game. Middlesex, Sussex, uh, Surrey, both do kids for a quid quite often at T20 nights. The other big grounds in and around, they're very, very rarely full for T20 nights. Yeah, you do get some mm. big crowds for the Yorkshire-Lancashire game, but, you know, it, it, I, I get I get they need to pull crowds in. I understand that. I just, I'm not quite sure if the ticket's going to be so cheap that then it devalues anything the well, count is It eats doing. into other stuff, doesn't it? And, and, you know, what concerns me is, this has been talked about for a long time, where a year away from this actually becoming a reality. There are still so many things we don't know, like, you know, we said, what's it going to cost? We don't know. Um, we do know what the team is going to be called. Up to a point, we still don't know what the Oval team is going to be called. Um, or the Oval Teenies. How about that? Yeah, That's a good teenies, name, isn't yeah, it? That could work, couldn't it? Oval Teenies. But, you know, why are we doing this, you know? We're a year away. 
We don't know who's going to be playing for who. The auction, the draft is four months away. No one knows really how that's going to work. We're in the middle of a 50 over World Cup. There's some talk that the 50 over competition won't go ahead next year. There's some talk the 50 over competition's only going to be for... Uh, a Demoted, sort of development so. squads. England could be 50 over <laughs> World Cup champions, and there you go, we're not playing 50 over cricket anymore in the in England. It, it's, we play the 100 ball instead. This, this yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, the ECB, they've got this, they've been dangled the carrot by Sky, by other people to get this competition going. I can understand, you know, why Sky can't do 16 county T20 competition. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's not. Let's not well, there is a drive to get something to get cricket back on terrestrial TV. But let, I mean, let's be honest. With the eight non-test match grounds, it is hard to host TV games in there. Yeah. Essex and Somerset, are, you know, are two of the you know maybe best ones. But you look at Essex. By the time they take the boundaries in, it's not a very big ground. You, you know, I understand the ECB. They want the full crowds. They want the the people in at the big grounds. They want the atmosphere. I'm just. I don't know that people yeah, are going to turn other, up for no, it. No, and the other thing is with Essex. I mean, it, it makes good TV because it feels that it's quite easy to fill Essex out. But in terms of logistics, that TV gantry only has one place it can ever be. And that means there's only one pitch, one strip. There's, uh, they can use two or three. But yeah, I mean, logistics, you know, I, I think I've had the joy of actually working with Sky, being the ground and out. So I do see what goes on behind the scenes. Logistically, it's very difficult for them, and it's much easier at the big grounds. They can drive right in, they can drive right up, yeah. load their gear in and out easy. Everything's already set up, all the the infrastructure's already there. I, I, and yeah, I can see the understanding and the attraction to to make it look as good as possible. You look at the stadiums in IPL and in the, in the Big Bash; yeah. they're all in big stadiums. It, it, it's absolutely, you know, it's quite honest. Around, yeah. But they looked like they knew what they were doing from the outset. I mean, where, where's this going with the ECB? I mean, there's so many questions still. Who's going to coach these franchises? Yeah. Where, where are the coaches coming well, from? Are we getting uh, eight? It, isn't they saying that um, celebrity coaches uh, and oh, uh, God, yeah. uh, some son of <laughs> something like that? Yeah. We don't know who they are. Peter Smoke and Simon Cowell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's obviously if they're going to do something like that, it's purely for. To, to get some um, media interest, and I, that I really don't think they will. But um, I mean, if they take coaches from the domestic game, is the domestic game completely stopping? They're talking about still playing domestic cricket oh. whilst it's going on. The whole so thing. Many moving parts. What I don't understand is, you know, you you have the domestic uh, season going, and then they have the hundred tournament. The coaches are going to get confused. You know, they're all going to be, you know, the players. Uh, Especially, they're going to be dragged from... Technique pillar. is going to be affected as well. Yeah. So they're going to be, how do I play this? Long term, I mean, you, you've got to look at it. What, what's it going to do? Are a, a, a generation of children going to grow up only knowing 100 ball cricket? Yeah. You know, if they're going to take up, if they're going to play cricket, oh, look at the money in the 100 ball. Oh, look at the money. Why is any of them going to want to play county cricket? Why is anyone going oh, to yeah. want to I play mean, Especially when you think cricket? the whole reason they're doing this is to increase... Um, Interesting cricket to reach a wider audience, but you're just confusing when you're diluting. Uh, I think I mean, it's bad enough at the moment with kids being probably too influenced in T20 and it's affecting the longer game. But I don't know. So I mean, as cricket fans, guys, us three's out here, should we be getting behind this and thinking, well, we really should be making this work. We should support it. We have our reservations, 
but let's get behind it. I mean, do we? I mean, it's a difficult one for me because why am I going to support one of these teams? I've supported Essex all my life. Why do I suddenly, why am I suddenly going to get behind a team who I've got to travel 30, 40 miles to see, who if I'm honest, I'm probably not going to see live. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be good to watch some really good competitive cricket if it is, but I mean, I'm not quite sure that I'm, I don't think I'm the target. I don't think we're the target audience. Oh, I hate to say it. No, we're not. We're, we're not. We've all got, a, you know, we've all got a, a highish number there starting. You know, they probably want us to bring our kids, but why aren't? This, and this was the point I made earlier on. I get that that they're not, and, and they're, they're kind of not listening to the, the criticism from cricket fans. Okay, that's fine. But I don't hear anyone else talking about. It. I don't hear people that have never looked at a game of cricket in their life all of a sudden saying. Oh, this new thing's coming out. What's it, the 100? Oh, God, that sounds great. I've not heard any of that. I've not heard people even just talking about it. I've had a chat with a few of the players from not just Essex, but from other people. Um, I think they're excited around what they might potentially earn, and quite rightly too. They're entitled to earn it. They're just a professional sport. It's what they do. But actually, most of them don't seem to get it. Again, I, I just think there's such a lack of information around it there's such a lack of clarity a year out that it, it's scary. Well, um, let's okay. Let's try and be positive. Let's try and uh, uh, t- take the devil's advocate on this. When the T20 competition first started, I can remember going to watch Middlesex versus Surrey on a Thursday night at Lords, and only the upper tiers of the Compton and the Edridge stands were open. The pavilion was literally a sprinkling of members sat there, the grandstand, only one tier was open. Um, fast forward it 10 years and you can't get near a T20 game at Lords now. Will this be the case even if when the 100 starts and similarly there are half empty grounds and is there going to be the have time to say stick with it because look what happened before? I think that they're going to have to get it right. Once they go they're going to have to get it right. I mean to me they're going to have to get the England players playing virtually every game however they do that they really do need to get the Indian players in if they want to get into that Indian market they've really got to get that right they've, they've got to get the, the stars from the sides from every country the three or four big stars have got to be playing it's no good signing average journey well, yeah, players but, into the tournament you know, I'll chuck that one back at you again and say that cricket fans will know who is a Chris Gale, who's an Aaron Finch, who's a, a Virat Kohli. But this is being aimed at non-cricket fans. And there was a survey, was it last year, where they, um, they surveyed, I think it was a load of, of, of under-25s, and showed them various sporting celebrity pictures. And amongst them was the then England captain, Sir Alastair Cook, who came bottom of the recognition factor because no one knew who he was. Now, that's the England captain, and, and kids don't know who he is. If we're getting and paying up, and these franchise teams are paying up to get cricketing world stars, I mean, are they going to be any more recognisable? Are people going to get off their backsides? Go on. Well, this is this is it. Does it become a show? Does does the cricket? Is it just part of a wider show? Is there going to be pop music there? Are they well, going to be booking big name pop stars? Is it just becoming part of a, a, a wider show? 
So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think we'll be talking about this more and more over the next few weeks and we see how things develop. But we are, we are coming to the end of our first show. Yeah, well, let us know what you think. I mean, all these subjects we've been talking about, whether it's your club, whether it's Essex, England, the World Cup. I mean, God, we've covered a lot of ground tonight. Or the hundreds. 100. Yeah, no. Get in touch via Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, whatever your favourite um, social ve- social media vehicle. Um, search for 98 Not Out, you'll find us there. Tell your friends to get involved. Let's, uh, let's get the support up. Like the Facebook page, follow us on Twitter. Um, but do get in touch. Um, I think we need to wrap it up for this week, but um, I think that's been a great start. So thanks, Brett. No, thank you. Don't thanks. forget, we do need pictures of cricket tea. Yes. Thanks very much, Brad. It's been, it's been a great show. You, now, you're off celebrating tonight on your 40th birthday. Are you hitting the town? Um, possibly. It depends what you guys are doing tonight. Well, I'm just going <laughs> to clear my diary because yeah. uh, it's not often that Nazumi offers to take me out. So, um, <laughs> well, I'd love to take you out. <laughs> so I'd love to, so, you know. I've seen what you two are driving out there. You two are definitely <laughs> taking me out. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, right. guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks a lot. Thank and you. don't forget, play straight, play great. Right about now, the funk soul brother. Check it out now, the funk soul brother. Right about now, the funk soul brother. Check it out now. The funk soul brother, right about now. The funk soul brother, check it out now. The funk soul brother, right about now. The funk soul brother, check it out now. The funk soul brother, right about now. The funk soul brother, check it out now. The funk soul brother, right about now. The funk soul brother, right about now. About now. About now. About now.
about now, the funk soul brother. Right about now, the funk soul brother. Check it out now, the funk soul brother. Right about now, 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 about now,